Welcome, everyone, to our Sunday edition of BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Drew DeArmond, as always, with Thomas the Wizard Watts. He's, the, uh, of course, the man behind the curtain producing, also co-hosting this show. And we're with our third amigo, William Redfish Barger, uh, former national champion at the University of Alabama from 89 to 93, a big part of uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And Alabama win 39 to 10 last night, uh, but not without some angst inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. Of course, the biggest story being the health of Tua Tungavailoa. Uh, as he, the year, week before, he had tweaked his knee and slightly sprained it against Arkansas, seemed to re-aggravate it last night. Of course, there's already some, uh, you know, rumors flying around, uh, you know, about a scope and about him uh, missing three to four weeks. I can tell you without a doubt right now, that is not definitive. There has been nothing decided. Uh, you know, I was uh, in the press conference with Nick Saban last night. He told us uh, that he did re-injure it, but... They felt like he could have gone back in the game. You know, I was in Bryant Denny Stadium. He was in the medical tent for a while. His parents were in there with him. I think they were trying to rebrace him up. He ran back into the middle of the huddle uh, with his helmet on. Wanted to go back in the game, but uh, Nick Saban wisely told him uh, just to, to, you know, kind of just to, uh, he to hold on, and that they were not going to send him back in unless the game got closer. Jalen Hurts was able to, you know, continue to maintain the lead. They finally scored, you know, a touchdown in the second half, and uh, you know the defense also helped with a safety led by uh, the sack by the uh, uh, the uh, All-American and future first-round draft choice Quinnen Williams, and so they were able to maintain the lead and win it comfortably, 39 to 10. So no need to play to a tongue of Iroh, who was on the sideline with his helmet on for part of the time. Then at the uh, last part of the quarter, uh, in the fourth quarter, did not have his helmet, but stayed on the sidelines the entire rest of the game. Was moving okay, pretty well according to the people that I spoke with, and I was on the sideline at the end of the game with some people that were near to uh, said that uh, he was moving pretty well. So, again, he's not 100% right now, but saying that he's going to miss a month, I think, is a little bit reckless. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I would say everybody just uh, calm down, and we will see uh, what happens with Tua Tungavailoa. But certainly uh, I think a lot of the narrative has changed because Alabama's next two opponents now look much tougher uh, and that's, of course, I do think Alabama is much more talented than the Tennessee Volunteers, but I know uh, William Redfish Barger is a huge fan of Jeremy Pruitt. I am a huge fan of Jeremy Pruitt, and what a job he did and his team did inside Jordan-Hare Stadium yesterday as they win 30-24, to so they will be much more confident, and there's nobody that knows Alabama's personnel better than Jeremy Pruitt, and certainly if Tua Tungvaluwa were out, uh, he had, he would have the blueprint to stop Jalen Hurts. Now, do I think Alabama would lose that game? No, I do think Alabama, the talent, the, the, you know, uh, d- discrepancy is enough where Alabama is going to win that game. I do think it would be much closer because of Jeremy Pruitt and being able to scheme, uh, some things and do some things defensively. But I do think he would still have to favor Alabama, no question about it, to get the win. But I do think it would be, uh, much closer without Tua Tungavailoa in the lineup. But I wanted to bring, uh, uh, my partner, William Redfish Barger, into the conversation, and also Thomas Watts. William, it was, you know, a, a good performance by Alabama, I thought. Uh, I thought the officiating was atrocious, but I'll say this. In a way, I was glad Alabama had to play through the officiating because it's something they're going to have to do down the stretch in November because there's going to be tougher opponents, and you're going to sometimes have to do that. I thought, for the most part, they were extremely poised, and, uh, you know, we – uh, we, uh, and we, we saw Raekwon Davis kind of lose his composure in the fourth quarter, but I know you've played in games like that. Missouri was playing through the whistle, and they were doing some things throughout the game, I think, that, uh, that really frustrated Alabama, but they had to play through it. Well, you know, I think, Drew, you know, a couple of questions were, were answered for me, mm-hmm. um, you know, in this Missouri game. Number one, I was very nervous about, uh, you know, Savion Smith. Right. Uh, you know, getting that other corner job via injury to Trevon Diggs, and I thought Savion answered the bell pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, two interceptions. Um, you know, I thought the front seven on defense showed up and played at a high level. You know, you look at the, you know, a little bit over 200 yards total. Uh, certainly the eight sacks um, that they generated, I thought that was positive. Um, you know, to me, I, I think going forward where this Alabama football team is, um, Drew, is, you know, in my mind, and I'm not real confident in this happening, but, you know, based on what I saw, you know, it was obvious that, you know, Tua was favoring his injured knee, 
Um, you know, he threw off of his back foot quite a bit yesterday or last night, I should say. You know, I, I would really like to see Nick Saban just say, you know what, we're going to sit you until um, the LSU game. I think the injury that he has could be 100% by then. But, you know, if he goes out against Tennessee next Saturday and, and, and retweaks that knee, he's not going to be. Um, and I don't think they need Tua Tungabailoa to beat Tennessee. I think, uh, you know, at the level that Jalen Hurts is playing now, let's don't forget what he's done uh, to Tennessee uh, last year and as a, as a true freshman in 2016. Um, you could, you know, and I really wouldn't care if it was a 28 to 14 game, uh, you know, based on what's in front of this team going forward. But, you know, I, I saw a lot of positives. You know, I was a little bit, um, you know, disappointed the way the offense kind of uh, slogged down in the red zone. But at the same time, you got, you know, Joseph below the, below the some, uh, you know, field goal work, which I think is more important than the offense executing at a high level in the red zone. Uh, but, you know, a, a very good win um, when, when you look at it overall. Um, you know, there was a lot of younger players that got to play in that game, a, a, you know, a, a primetime SEC game at home in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Now they have to go on the road next week to uh, uh, Knoxville. And, uh, you know, we talked about this this summer, you know, in one of the limited, um, you know, BAMS radios deals that we did this summer. And I told you guys that if Jeremy Pruitt could keep this team quitting on him during that juggernaut schedule during the month of October um, that I thought he had a chance to make some noise as a first-year head coach. And as you saw yesterday in Jordan-Hare Stadium, um, you know, they haven't quit. Uh, you know, that being said, I, you know, I, I think personally, Drew, that if Jeremy and that coaching staff could out-coach the, the bad – tendencies and qualities that this team has um, of killing themselves with pre-snap penalties, they might be a ball team this year. Um, but, you know, they haven't gotten to that point yet. But, you know, they've, they've hired a really good strength and conditioning coach. Um, they, they took the, uh, the second in command of Alabama's nutrition program up there to uh, Knoxville with them. Um, you know, I think next year there'll be a bowl team, and I think by 2020 um, they'll be able to challenge uh, Georgia and Florida for that SEC East. Um, great performance for them yesterday, you know, versus a team on paper that's supposed to be a lot more talented than them and also a team that Vegas thought was a, you know, two touchdown plus a field goal. Uh, favorite over them. Um, I thought that was a very defining moment for Jeremy Pruitt in his first year at Knoxville. Yeah, I thought it was the biggest win that, uh, of course, he's had by far, and uh, really uh, gets the gets uh, them off the schneid. They had an 11 game SEC losing streak before that time. Uh, you know, and again, I do think Alabama can win with Jalen Hurts at Tennessee. I hope we don't have to find out. I hope that Tua is healthy enough to play. You know, Coach Saban seemed to animate that. Uh, uh, that he re-injured it, but it was the same deal as last week, and that they feel like uh, that uh, he could have gone back in the game. So uh, certainly, I don't think we would see Tua uh, running very much. Or uh, and I know yesterday he was just scrambling. That was made it so crazy because, as you saw, William, that was a really physical game, and Missouri was grabbing Alabama's wide receivers. They were holding. They uh, and they called two of Alabama's touchdowns back on questionable calls. The 83-yarder to Rugs. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the one to Hale Hinges. Uh, but, again, Alabama played through that, and it was funny, and that's how football is. Uh, Tua takes off the only time on the night. It was like he's going to pick up a first down slide like he wanted to and still aggravates the knee. Uh, but certainly I would have him, uh, you know, operating from the pocket and not uh, uh, and not scrambling. Let the running backs handle that. But we'll see what they decide to do uh, without a doubt. Uh, hopefully with some treatment he'll, he'll still be able to play. I will say this. I think they can get him through Tennessee. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a situation, if he needed a procedure like we saw uh, with Cam Robinson. Of course, Cam's was an ankle and was ligament surgery. But if we remember, I was at that game in 2014 when he when he went down with an injury. Uh, and then he as a sophomore, and uh, he missed the end of that game. And then he did have surgery right after on Sunday. And then he rehabbed and didn't practice a whole lot, but uh, missed the next week and a half. And 
still got ready for LSU and played in that game and showed incredible toughness. So we'll see. I mean, if it's a manageable deal uh, from this point forward, maybe they could uh, they could uh, manage to it until uh, maybe after the SEC championship game and maybe get a minor thing done before the playoff. But uh, I have a feeling if something needs to be done, it would be done after Tennessee. So we will see. Uh, but I do think uh, that it was a big win for Jeremy. And I was happy for Jeremy, honestly. I mean, uh, you know, I have no love loss for the Auburn Tigers. Uh, it was hilarious. I mean, Brett Beard and I drove down for the Alabama game and listened to the Auburn radio network the whole way down. And listening to Stan White and Rod Bramlett was gold. I mean, it was just hilarious. I mean, that's what they get for hiring Kevin Steele as defensive coordinator and Greg Brown as secondary coach. And I'm just, I'm sorry. Those guys were at Alabama, and everybody remembers Alabama's secondary issues in 2013, giving up a lot of big plays on deep balls. And now it's it's uh, Auburn's doing the same thing, and they can't stop, you know, at the deep the deep pass. And Gus Malzahn's in big trouble, even though he's he's in the catbird seat. I mean, Jimmy Sexton's the most brilliant agent ever. William, if they fired Gus Malzahn after this year, they would have to pay him 30 million bucks in 30 days. So it's not going to happen. So guess now they're stuck with guests for at least one more year, and uh, Auburn's in a really rough spot right now. Jared Sinem's an overrated guy, but they're not helping him at all either with subpar offensive line play. And so, but it was a big win for Jeremy Pruitt, and now uh, certainly Nick Saban will have his team's attention going to Tennessee uh, because it's it's going to be a dangerous game. And then LSU, that's of course we know how good LSU is, uh, and let's talk about that a little bit. LSU just destroying Georgia yesterday. And you and I were talking about this before our broadcast started, but neither one of us has ever been a big fan of Jim Chaney's, and I thought that was a boat anchor type hire for Kirby Smart uh, when he put his staff together at Georgia. No, and no, I totally agree. And and but you know, if, if you look at you know the end game decisions that were made, uh, you know, yesterday in Baton Rouge, number one, that that fake field goal oh. was a total abortion. Oh goodness! Um, you know, you, you you took an easy three points off the board uh, to try and manufacture that thing, but you know, number two, and, and you know, people have, you know, so, some people I would say have chosen to, you know, kind of discount what I've said about not only the coaching staff at Georgia, but the so-called elite recruiting classes that he signed, which I don't necessarily think are elite. Um, there's a lot of overrated, um, you know, kids that he's gotten. You know, has he gotten the star power? For sure. But they all aren't equal. And, you know, you've got to develop them. Um, his front seven on defense is nowhere near what it was last year when Alabama played them in the national championship game. Right. You know, the, the, the Georgia fan base has – you know, totally overblown the impact of Sam Pittman um, as their offensive line coach. You know, the the so-called five-star offensive tackle, uh, Cade Mays, got worked over one time after another yesterday playing right guard in relief of Ben Cleveland. And, you know, when you look at that game and the way it shook out, um, it, it, it's it's amazing to me because – there, there's so many people out there, especially Alabama fans, that live in, in fear of Kirby Smart, not only as a head coach, but as a recruiter. And, you know, it, it's a struggle to try and get them to understand, Drew, that recruiting and what, what you see on paper is only half the battle. Once you get them on campus, you've got to develop them um, from a X's and O's standpoint. You've got to develop them from a strength, conditioning, and a nutrition standpoint. And it was obvious watching them in the second half of the national championship game, you know, once Tua came in and, and, and opened up the, you know, the, the down-the-field passing attack where they had to man up versus Alabama's offensive line and defensive line on both sides of the football. You know, the SEC is a line of scrimmage league, and you're, you're starting to see why I've been, you know, so harsh on, on Kirby Smart. Um, they're not what you think they are. They're, they're a, a, a sheep in a wolf's clothing, so to speak. Um, you know, this is year three of the Kirby Smart regime in Georgia. 
and he supposedly is recruited at such an elite level. Let's don't forget that, you know, Coach O over there in LSU hasn't signed a single top five recruiting class in the last three years. Right. Um, And they got taken to pound town by – what was so funny leading up to the game was that LSU fans in their own right was scared to death about Georgia on both sides of the line of scrimmage because that's where they've really, uh, going all the way back to the Les Miles regime, that, that's where they've really taken a bath in recruiting. You know, Alabama's gone down there and gotten, you know, guys like Isaiah Bugs and Chris Allen, uh, Dylan Moses, um, um, uh, Fidarian Mathis, you know, the list goes on and on. But the LSU fan base was scared to death with Georgia coming to town because of all the, um, you know, the, 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 the vitriol on the Internet about both sides. You know, they, 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 ha- they don't have the elite offensive linemen they've had in the past. And they took Kirby Smart and Georgia and beat the ever-living shit out of them on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And so now what you're seeing out of the the Georgia fan base, you know, they're turning the quarterback deal into a kind of a racist situation. Garrison Smith, you know, has said that the only reason why Jake Fromm is still the head uh, quarterback is from a racial standpoint, which I disagree with. Um, But at the same time, you kind of have to sit back and watch how Kirby Smart has managed this deal. And I thought Paul Feinbaum, uh, you know, came out last night and kind of put it in perspective. Um, You know, the way that Kirby Smart's handled this whole thing is totally different than the way that Nick Saban handled Tua Tungabailoa and Jalen Hurts. Um, You know, Nick Saban's found a happy place. Um, for, you know, those two quarterbacks and is incorporating, you know, Jalen Hurts into the offense every week going forward. Um, I, I love what they did versus Arkansas with him. I love what they did, you know, last night versus Missouri. Uh, but, you know, every, everybody has kind of been pointing to Kirby Smart as the guy. You know, it used to be that it was Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there was a guy that was going to take down Nick Saban's dynasty. Um, you know, you saw where he failed at it at Florida. Yeah, he had the one good game in the playoffs, shit, four years ago. Um, you know, when he when he took him down versus, uh, you know, Nick, you know, in the Sugar Bowl. And he certainly hasn't been able to build on that since then. But I, I just continue to just sit back and, and laugh at all the people that think that anybody is going to take Nick Saban and this dynasty down um, with, with the way the guy recruits, with the way the guy evaluates players. You know, let, let's talk about Quinnen Williams for a minute. Um, he was a guy coming out of high school that the so-called recruiting experts said was the 17th best tackle in the defensive tackle in the country. Okay. Um, now, all of a sudden, in his third year, he's a redshirt sophomore. You know, that guy's got a chance to be a, a top 20 draft pick. So, y'all all keep listening to 247 and Rivals and all these newspaper guys that don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to keep watching what Nick Saban does with his evaluations, and that's whose side I'm going to stay with. Yeah, well said, William, and uh, I – and I agree with you completely on Savion Smith. I thought he tackled well. I thought he, he uh, played well in coverage and, of course, had the two interceptions. Another guy that I thought played a lot better, and I think he just was a little bit off against Arkansas. I really thought Shane Carter played well, especially against the run. I thought he tackled much better. Uh, and he, of course, he, he held up in coverage. And I, and I understand that Missouri had a couple of wide receivers out, uh, but I thought uh, the Alabama defense as a whole played better. I thought Mac Wilson he still had some issues, but I thought his effort was better. He had a sack. He had several tackles. A lot of them were six and seven yards down the field, but he was more active, uh, I thought, than he had been. And I asked him in the locker room afterwards. He did say he had studied a lot of films, spent more time in the film room, and that's what he needs to do. And then I, I appreciated Christian Miller's candor, William. 
he basically said, yes, Missouri was dirty. Yes, I was getting held the whole game. So we were a little frustrated. He goes, I guess the referees just weren't going to, weren't going to, you know, call it. But he did say that they, uh, basically still weren't satisfied with how they played. They thought they, they played better and they were frustrated with how they played against Arkansas. But they thought they took some steps forward. And I completely agree with you on Quinn and Williams. He had the safety last night. He's been disruptive in every game. I thought Raekwon played better yesterday as well. Bugs certainly played well. Uh, you know, there's been some that have been critical of Coach Kuliagowski and taking over this defensive line. But I, I think the defensive line has been pretty solid, William. I think the big problem has been with the inside backers, and I think they took some steps forward last night. And I think that Missouri offense is a lot better than the one that, that they faced against Arkansas, and they really uh, played well. And I think uh, it, I think it bodes well for the future. But I will say this, and uh, and this is another reason that makes me nervous to if Jalen Hurts were to start a game. I do think the punting game would take more of a have, would would be a bigger part of things. They would have to actually punt the football multiple times. And I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out there. Scholar DeLong is the worst college punter I've ever seen in my life. And right now, I, it's, I, it's got to be mental, William. It's got to be in his head. But last night was some of the, was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. And the only thing I regret, I asked Nick Saban last night about, you know, how he thought the front seven played and how he felt like they improved on third down after struggling against Arkansas. But I should have said, Coach, I got a two-part question. Uh, what is what can we what can be done now about Skyler DeLong? How concerned are you about the punting? Because oh my lord, Drew, I'll tell you this. I thought that the and again we've talked about this over and over again. Um, you know how difficult it is when you're up, you know, forty eight to ten or forty eight to seven, whatever the scores have been, you know, through the first seven games. Um, I, I really thought that, you know, on a 6 p.m. game, on a Saturday night, I thought the front seven showed up and, and really showed out. Um, you know, 200 yards, basically, on, on you know, passing and, and, and rushing. Um, they got eight sacks. I thought they were very active, um, you know, within the front seven in that department. Um, I, I've got no qualms or concerns about Craig Kuglowski as the defensive line coach. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this over and over again that we thought it was a communication issue on, you know, why Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses kind of looked lost. I thought that was, you know, kind of answered last night um, in how they performed. Um, you know, and I, I will continue to think that. Um, you know, it's it, it's obvious, you know, new defensive coordinator, new D-line coach, you know, Pete Golding and inside linebackers, Carl Scott at DBs. You, you should expect a little bit of a hangover there with, with what's going on. But, you know, I'm not a guy that's blown out of the water with Drew Locke or, or the Missouri offense. I think they're a little bit overrated. Um you know, he may end up being a first-round draft pick. I damn sure wouldn't give him first-round money. Um, there's more guys on Alabama's football team that I would give first-round money. But the, the way that game played out last night, I, I thought it was perfect for the continued development of Alabama's football program. You know, you've seen for the last couple of weeks where, you know, a late addition to Alabama's football team like uh, – uh, Cahoe, you know, is now getting in there, you know, every week in the fourth quarter, you know, playing special teams. But he, he's in there every week getting late work and inside linebacker. And he was a guy that some people thought was – I don't agree with him, but there were some people that thought he was the number one inside linebacker by the end of last year's high school class. Um, and it's good to see that development taking place. But – you know, I, to me, I think going forward, you know, the number one thing that this team needs is a healthy Tua Tungabailoa. And if, if that is the case, you know, Nick Saban's got to, you know, kind of play it forward a little bit um, with, you know, the 
weighing the option of playing him with, with what his injury really is, and a lot of people don't really know what it is, but, you know, it's a partial cartilage tear. Um, you know, that partial cartilage tear could turn into a complete cartilage tear real quickly. So uh, nobody's paying me $7 million a year to make this call, but if it was up to me, I would say rest him versus Tennessee. Um, that injury, especially with all the the stem cell and um, platelet replacement therapy that's available out there now, he could be totally healthy by the time we roll into Baton Rouge. But based on the way he's played this thing out going forward for 12 years now, I don't expect that to happen, but I know I sure would. Uh, I want to – there's some more news that – just broke as we were starting the show uh, for Tennessee. I don't really think it matters because this dude is overrated. He was overrated his whole career. One of the biggest junior college flops in history, in my opinion. But Jonathan Kongbo will miss the Alabama game. The starting jack outside linebacker for the Vols. He has a torn ACL. It looks like his career at Tennessee is over. Uh, we certainly hate it for that young man. No one, you don't want to see anyone injured and not able to play but he will not play against Alabama. And so Jonathan Kongbo, a guy that did more talking on Twitter than he ever did playing. So, but, uh, but, but Jonathan Kongbo is out. So that is another injury uh, for the Tennessee Volunteers. But I wanted to bring Thomas Watts into the conversation. Thomas, uh, certainly we always like getting your thoughts. Uh, what did you see against Missouri that encouraged you? And, and did you see anything besides, I know you're going to agree about the god-awful punting. But what else, did there was there anything else that concerned you about what you saw on Saturday? Well, even before Tua Tonga-Vailoa got hurt, there was some surprising red zone inefficiency, but I suppose you could say that just means Joseph Bullivis practice. So that's not, you know, that's not something I'm going to wail and gnash my teeth about. Something that I have yet to really get a beat on is this Missouri offensive group because, you know, statistically, it was a pretty solid unit. But obviously they had some wide receivers unable to play last night. And in one of the more hilarious points of the broadcast, I did not get to go to the game live. Um, I was watching on ESPN. One of the more hilarious points of the broadcast was that, a brief celebration ensued when Missouri had over, you know, finally got past 200 total yards, you know, towards the end of the fourth quarter. So I, I can't figure out if Alabama's defense has continued to put it together or if the fact that Missouri's wide receiver group was essentially a shell of itself caused such a statistical anomaly for that group of players. But I, I, I would be willing to bet us a little from column A, a little from column B. But anyway, the only other point of contention is the potential to a Tonga-Vailoa injury. And do you listen to Scuttlebutt, or do you just take Nick Saban at his word? That's an open-ended question, and I'm, I'm going to echo William here. I'm not paid $7 million, and I promise – that Alabama has the best medicine that money can buy available for these players. So whatever ends up coming out of this Tonga-Vailoa potential problem, I, I mean, it's going to have the best minds in whatever game it is looking at it and trying to offer solutions. So by and large, Alabama got another win. They got back to their covering the spread ways, and the beat goes on and on to Tennessee. Uh, I will say, just we'll talk about Tennessee a little bit later, obviously, but I will say I'll be interested to see, because it is not an 11 o'clock game on the road, it's the 2.30 CBS game, how locked in and focused this Alabama group is, because in the past, you have certainly had somewhat of a letdown game on the road going into a bye. If Alabama comes up and takes care of business against a Tennessee team that has zero quit, that's going to be a pretty good sign going forward, Drew. But, you know, no big deal coming out of Missouri. I'm going to have to sit down and play with numbers probably at some point tomorrow afternoon to 
draw my own conclusions in terms of what that defensive performance actually means. And I'll tell you this, nobody enjoyed watching Kirby Freeze, I mean Smart, get the hell beat out of him than I did. Because, <laughs> because they got exposed. There was a lot of people in the press box that wanted LSU to lose, to be out of it. Personally, I did not. I wanted Georgia to get their ass whipped. And so, and I want to see how they respond now. They responded last year at the Auburn game, but there's a lot more football to be played. And as William said, I think Kirby is starting to have trouble managing his roster, which is the, the big difference for this or the reason he's not Nick Saban. And I never wanted him to replace Nick Saban. And the best text I got yesterday is from a good friend of mine in Madison, Alabama, who said, Drew, I think Ray Goff is back. And so I got a huge, I got a huge chuckle out of that. But at the same time, I was proud for Jeremy Pruitt. I have a lot of respect for Jeremy. I think he has done it the right way. Uh, he took over a tough situation. Those kids didn't quit, and they beat Auburn. So uh, that, and I think, and I think that's also good for Alabama because I think you know this is going to be a challenge for Alabama's offensive line. I would go with six and seven man protections to protect Tua, and I would tell them under no circumstances does he get touched. Do you understand? And so, and then I would tell Tua, no running. You want to roll out every now and then. If you do, please get out of bounds, but protect yourself. And I, and then I would challenge the offensive line in the running game to be able to run the football against Tennessee. I actually thought for most of the game, Alabama ran the football pretty well against Missouri. Terry Beckner is a big time defensive tackle. I do think Missouri's front is, is, is not bad. Uh, I do think they're a pretty decent football team. I, they're not a great football team by any stretch, but I think they're a quality opponent. I think they'll end up in a bowl game. So I think Alabama, and quite frankly, the officiating again was horrific, but I'm glad Alabama had to play through some things like that. I think it builds, you know, character later because you understand that you have to handle it. I mean, Christian Miller just came out, as we said, uh, in the media room last night. He said, this team was dirty. I got held all game, but, you know, I guess the officials weren't going to call it. And so, you know, you have to continue to play. And I thought Alabama continued to play. Uh, and I thought they played pretty well considering in a 39-10 to 10 win. And, again, having a backup like Jalen Hurts I think was is outstanding because he went in with a 30-10 to 10 lead and he maintained it. And if Alabama gets that big on Tennessee on Saturday, he can come in again. He's played in that environment, and he should be able to maintain the lead. I think that's very valuable. I think that's what that's turning into is – Kelly Bryant left Clemson, which could hurt Clemson down the road. Jalen Hurts staying in Alabama is going to turn out to be very valuable for Alabama because no, there's nobody in the country that has a quarterback as experienced as Jalen Hurts that can come off the bench and uh, be able to close a game out. And, and I'll say this, too. I, I, guys, we haven't talked about it, but I really like the wrinkles they put in yesterday when they snuck Jalen Hurts onto the field they hand him the ball on an end around, and then he wheels around and throws the ball to Damian Harris. I mean, I was in shock because I thought it was Josh Jacobs at first until he turned and I saw it was number two. And then to have him catch a ball in the slot, I thought was another great thing to put on film uh, for Tennessee and LSU. What are your thoughts, William? I've been giving you a thumbs up for the last 60 seconds, Drew. Um, I think it was a great moment. Uh, I think we're all sitting here watching uh, Mike Loxley grow up as a play caller. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, Jalen Hurts was never as bad last year as a lot of people thought he was. If you go back to his true freshman year under Lane Kiffin, where he had a true quarterback coach, and you look at him then, and you go back to 2018 when he's got Dan Enos, you can see the difference between that cat um, as a quarterback. And, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy. I'm just saying what I've seen as a as the guy. Um, you know, 2016, he was very good against a lot of, a lot of teams. Certainly he's been very good this year versus a lot of teams. But at the same time, um, the way Mike Loxley and Nick Saban has allowed him to uh, be incorporated into the offensive game plan, um, I would say that the two guys that I want to see more of, Drew, is not just Jalen Hurts being involved, 
but the guy that I think is the sleeper on the whole team is Josh Jacobs. Uh, yes, I agree, William, completely. I thought Josh Jacobs did a great job running the ball last night. I think he had nine rushes for 54 yards. And another thing that I really enjoyed uh, with Josh is he almost broke another kickoff return, did an outstanding job. And then if Devontae Smith, and we haven't talked about that, you know, when Devontae went down, I was hoping it was a cramp, and then they took him back into the locker room. To, I was hoping to give him an IV, but when he came back out, he was in his pass for a short amount of time, but then when he ended up, you know, uh, and, and, uh, and ended up in his street clothes quickly, it was obviously a muscle issue, as Coach Saban said, probably a hamstring. Hopefully, you know, Coach Saban said he was day-to-day. I do think they can beat Tennessee, of course, without Devontae. Uh, they've got Waddle who can move up into that top three. You can use Derek Keefe. He had a nice catch last night in the fourth quarter. But I can tell you this. I think Josh Jacobs is good enough as a receiver, William, that they could use him in the situ- in some situations as a slot receiver. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I think the guy is a dangerous weapon, um, you know, when he is utilized um, as a running back out of the backfield, as, as a slot receiver, um, you know, getting down the field. Um, I think he's one of the most underheralded, uh, you know, keys of this, you know, 2018 Alabama football team as they march on to what I think is going to be a national championship. I think that guy is totally underutilized and would love to see him be become a bigger factor, um, you know, in the offense. And, you know, when you start talking about guys like that, I mean, seriously, uh, did you see what that front seven did to Missouri last night? I mean, Isaiah Bugs eight, uh, Raquan Davis eight, Quinnen Williams eight. Um, you know, the, the the most poignant picture in my mind of the victory versus Missouri last night was the picture that I saw today, and maybe I was, you know, on the end of, uh, you know, the back end of it all being played out, when Christian Miller, who I think is a very good player, now is he, you know, Terrell Lewis or Ibaye Anoma? No, he's not. But, man, that guy balls out for Alabama every single weekend. But when I saw the picture of, Christian Miller standing there um, with his letterman jacket on addressing the media and there was Terrell Lewis over to the side handing him a water bottle Um, I think that's probably the best um, depiction of this 2018 Alabama football team that I can give is just just sit back and, and wait for it to wash all over you um, that, 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 that guy is, you know, a guy that thought he was a first round draft pick coming out this year. Um, he blew his knee out and, you know, he's not going to get first round money this year by nobody, but what he did yesterday is as a teammate, I thought was really the biggest storyline of the Alabama versus Missouri uh, football game. You know, seeing Terrell Lewis standing to the side of Christian Miller, who is a kid that I really love a lot. I mean, he's, you know, he's not a lead. I mean, he, he's not a, a guy that's fast twitch. He, he's not a guy that's going to go in the first round. But seeing Terrell Lewis standing off to the side of him, handing that bottled water to him, I'm going to tell you something, Drew, from a a locker room and a team standpoint, that was big time. We all got a nice chuckle out of it, too, because before we started talking, Christian Miller did turn and say, I told him not to come in here. But uh, Terrell Lewis wanted to hold his water for him and uh, wait on his teammate, which was good to see. And Miller's been playing solid football, man. I mean, he... He, uh, he was pressuring the quarterback last night. He was being held a lot. 
uh, but they played through it and, you know, and, and was able to beat a solid Missouri team very soundly. Uh, you know, I hope, uh, you know, and I think they're going to beat Tennessee very soundly with Tua Tungvaluwa, you know, starts the game. I would say somewhere around the room, and I'm expecting Jalen Hurts to play at least a quarter and a half because I think they would try to get, if they get up by a substantial amount of three scores or more, I certainly would expect them to have a quick hook on Tua. My prediction against Tennessee would be somewhere around the the, the 45 to 13 range because I think Tennessee is going to have a, a hard time scoring on Alabama, but I, I will I will give them 13 because I think Alabama will be playing a lot of young players in the second half defensively. Uh, but I I would say probably 45 to 13 Alabama. They haven't come out with a line today, I don't think, because they don't know the uh, the status of Tua Tungvaluwa yet. But I expect we'll see both quarterbacks play uh, in the game. And uh, as we're wrapping up the Spams Radio in the last few minutes, Thomas, uh, to bring you back into the conversation, you you, know, you were going to talk about Tennessee. Uh, talk about this matchup coming up. I think with Tua in there, they, this is an Alabama team that can win easily in Knoxville, uh, but and can still win if Jalen were to start. I just certainly believe it'd be a much closer game. But your thoughts on the matchup with Tennessee? Well, if you take both rosters just just on paper, scratch out Alabama, scratch out Tennessee, and you look at the two rosters, you have to unequivocally say that Alabama has a decided talent advantage. That doesn't even factor in development or all of the other things that we've spoken about ad nauseum. But if for whatever reason, Jeremy Pruitt has his guys coming in and competing and da-da-da-da-da. They play play with heart. They're not going to quit. But the thing is, their offense to me looks like a pro-style offense in that they want to run the ball. They want to establish the run. And then because of guys like Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway, I believe it's Juwan Jennings, they then want to try and throw the ball deep over the top. You know, One of the things that hasn't been talked about enough about the Tennessee offensive attack against the Auburn Tigers is that Jarrett Garantano had 328 yards passing on what was a dominant front seven, but a suspect secondary. So, that's how Tennessee is going to want to attack. So once again, you know, Savion Smith step on down. You had a good first run. Now you got to go do it again, and we'll see how you hang with some legitimately good wide receivers. The thing for me, Drew, is, you know, I go back to how Alabama wants to attack you with someone like Tua Tango Vailoa, and the one that jumps out to me that's a fair comparison is West Virginia that Tennessee has played before. And not that Tua Tangavalo is going to throw 50 passes, but in that you have a very prolific passing attack. Well, very prolific when you're not playing Brock Purdy in the Iowa State Cyclones. But you have a prolific passing attack, and Tennessee really struggled in that game. Now, yeah, that was several weeks ago, but I feel like it is a mismatch. I... I think Alabama's going to keep rolling. I don't – it's hard for me to see anything outside of injuries derailing this train against this team. They'll play with confidence. It'll probably be uncomfortably close because it is very, very difficult to play eight straight football games without a break. I'm sure William can attest to that fact. But, you know, I think Alabama will come out with a win, and then you really have a crazy buildup, particularly – if the LSU Tigers get past Mississippi State this weekend. And just one thing to talk about Georgia, just from my own personal look, what does Georgia want to do? Like, in terms of, and what I mean by that is, what is their identity? Do they want to grind you down with the run? Or are we going to deploy the Jalen Hurts offense from last year? Because... I feel like Jake Fromm is Jalen Hurts of yesteryear, except not as athletic. And if that's what they want to do, they have to buy into that. But my biggest takeaway from the Georgia-LSU game is LSU offensively at least knows exactly what they are, and they're not going to get away from it. Georgia, they got taken slightly out of their element and fell apart like a house of cards. But I don't want to get too far off pace. Tennessee's a good team. 
Jeremy Pruitt still has to get his talent in place, but we knew that going in. Alabama should win. It's probably going to be kind of a clunker just because of circumstances surrounding the football team. But, you know, Alabama should win and on to LSU. Well, William, and uh, I know you're going to get a chuckle out of this before I get your thoughts on uh, Alabama and Tennessee, but uh, it would be Alabama will be going for the 12th straight win in the series, which would be a record. But uh, uh, speaking of these, the fans to stop gnashing their teeth over recruiting, Alabama recruited a quarterback out of Arizona they decided not to take at the end of last year, Brock Purdy. And I'll never forget people saying, I thought his film looked pretty good, but they're, oh, he's too small. I'm not sure how much arm he has. Well, look what he's done at uh, Iowa State the last two weeks. As a true freshman, he picks apart Oklahoma State, and they and they beat undefeated West Virginia, and he's the offensive MVP in both those games. So as we said earlier in the broadcast, and William put so succinctly, stop looking at star ratings and just treat and just trust Nick Saban when he offers a kid. Any of you people that question what he's doing in recruiting need your head examined and probably a lobotomy. But next question. And now to uh, to William, uh, your thoughts on this matchup with Tennessee. I know you're a big fan of Jeremy's. You've known him for a long time. You know, he played at Alabama in, during your era. Uh, and certainly we believe that he can turn Tennessee around. I've, I've always felt like, like you that by his third year they can be a contender in the East. But he won't make it easy on Alabama Saturday. But just your thoughts. Um, you know, I think what you're seeing, Drew, is, uh, you know, probably a true level of, of what's going on. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I said this summer uh, before all this played out that, you know, if Jeremy could keep this team in the confines of the team from quitting on him during the month of November, I mean, excuse me, the month of October, um, you know, with the schedule that they have, you know, it was brutal that he was going to be in a position to take this team to the playoffs. Um, I'll tell you what I think about um, his situation going forward is next year, you know, this is how I've always played it out, is next year he's going to be in the position to, make that Tennessee team a playoff team. Um, and I think by 2020, he's going to challenge um, Kirby Smart at Georgia and Dan Mullen at Florida for the East. And I don't back off from that at all. Um, at the end of the day, I would tell you this, you know, from watching um, what they did yesterday in Auburn, um from the Jeremy Pruitt standpoint, you know, if they could just coach these kids from not making mind-numbing, you know, pre-snap penalties, they probably would be a, a, a bowl team this year. Um, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, Drew, what we're talking about here is um, what's going on with Alabama and how they continue this dynasty. And I will say this, it's, you know, um, you know, we're sitting here looking at Nick Saban at the peak of his coaching career. I think, you know, two things that go into um, the, the, the flavor um, in this, you know, who's going to be the next guy. Um, you know, take a peek out there on the West Coast with what Mario Cristobal is doing at Oregon. Uh, take a peek up there in Knoxville with what Jeremy Pruitt's doing uh, with Tennessee, and then take a peek over there. You know, I, I know this is the uh, frontliner, you know, that a lot of people want to say is going to be the guy that, you know, tackles the baton and, and becomes, you know, the next Nick Saban. Uh, you know, take a peek what Dabo's doing up at Clemson. Um, I would make the argument that what Mario Cristobal is doing at Oregon with what Jeremy Pruitt's doing at Knoxville, um, compare and contrast that to what's going on with Dabo Swinney at Clemson, and I'll, I'll rest my case at that. Well said and good thoughts, William, no doubt about it, but 
I think we're all in agreement that Alabama's going to win this game over Tennessee and make it 12 in a row. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, indeed, Tua Tungvaluwa plays. As of this uh, recording of this program, I strongly believe that he will. But, of course, we know things can change, and we'll certainly get an update from Nick Saban uh, tomorrow at his uh, noon press conference in preparation for Tennessee. Uh, and I do think this Alabama team is going to be ready for the Vols because this is a this is a great rivalry. Nick Saban has understood that uh, since he uh, you know uh, ambushed uh, Philip Fulmer in 2007 in Bryant Denny Stadium and soundly whipped them in 2008 on the road to set the tone for what has become domination by Alabama with 11 in a row. But I think we're certainly expecting that to continue. We'll have more updates on the injuries. We certainly believe Henry Ruggs will be fine. He returned to the game. I think probably the most questionable for me would be Devontae Smith. Uh, certainly Devontae uh, has a hamstring, and those can linger. And if there is any question whether he would be completely healthy, I'm sure they would hold him out to get him back to play against his native state, Louisiana T- State Tigers from LSU. And that will be a crazy environment. As Thomas rightly said, we'll see if LSU can come back down from that performance against Georgia and beat Mississippi State. They certainly should, and if they do, uh, that will be the game of maybe the year in college football as Alabama will be going into a crazy environment and will certainly need all hands on deck uh, to uh, battle uh, at Ogeron's LSU Tigers. But we want to thank everyone for joining us on this edition of BAMS Radio. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I always usually give grades, but uh, I would give Alabama, you know, a solid, uh, you know, uh, A on offense last night uh, against a pretty quality opponent in Missouri, especially considering the officiating they had to play against. And they did have some red zone issues, but a lot of those red zone issues I think were holding and uh, some receivers getting bumped off their routes. And certainly, uh, and I think I would give Alabama a solid A on defense. I think they certainly took some steps forward. I would give them a B on special teams. And the only reason it wouldn't, it wouldn't be an A is because of the worst punt I've ever seen in all my life. And so you have to hold that uh, as a minus on special teams. But the kickoff returns of Josh Jacobs were solid. Uh, they didn't really get a chance to return punts, but uh, good job by the punter at Missouri uh, to keep Waddlett from being a factor there with some directional punting. But certainly the kickoff coverage was very good. The punt coverage for, uh, it didn't have to come into account because of the, only the one punt of the game. Uh, but certainly uh, Alabama did a nice job and, uh, with Joseph Boulevard making three out of four. So I give a solid B there, and I think Alabama, I would favor the Tide with Tua Tonga by Loa even not 100%, you know, by three or more touchdowns, uh, as I said, against Tennessee, and 45-13 to 13 would be my prediction. But want to thank everyone for joining us. We always love the thoughts of Thomas Watts and, of course, our good friend William Redfish-Barger, everyone. But uh, good night, and we'll come to you next Sunday after hopefully a 12th straight win over the hated Tennessee Vols. But for uh, Thomas and William, I'm Drew Armand. Good night and roll tide.